Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of the pandemic purchases that people have maybe come to regret. I knew immediately it was a bad idea. And then just, you know, here it sits months and months later. But first, it is our chance to sit back and relax with two excellent humans with us this week. We have Adora Namigade, WBEZ Metro reporter. Adora, hello. Hey, what's up, Greta? Thanks for having me on your lovely show. I'm so happy to have you. Also with us is Ariane Nettles, director of audio at Medill School of Journalism and recent birthday girl. Ari, hello. Hello. Okay, so I want to start with Beyonce. She dropped her seventh studio album last week. It is called Renaissance. It's phenomenal. It came out on Friday. Ari, your birthday was on Monday. How many times have you listened since it came out? I really cannot count. And I mean, <laughs> literally, like, it's not an exaggeration. I cannot count. Of course, I started listening um, at 11 p.m. Central Time, midnight, mm-hmm. Eastern Time, mm-hmm. you know. On Thursday. The rest yep. of the, on Thursday night with the rest of the Beehive. Um, you know, we live tweeted through the whole experience. I love this album. This could be my number one Beyonce album. And that says a lot for me. Um, I just. It makes me feel amazing. Like it was just like oh, going into my birthday weekend and just like it made me feel beautiful and powerful and like just bossy. And thank you, B. That's just all the good things. Adora, do you have a favorite track on this? What do you think? Yes, my favorite song is Cuff It. So it's hard because I'm trying to listen to the whole thing, but what happens is like I get on a song, I get stuck, and I'm like, sorry, I have to listen to this 500 times. like kind of disco-y yes. it's like she's a baddie but it's like really subtle too. yeah, I'm yeah. Like, i love that song yeah it makes me feel good oh i mean they're all so good i think one of my favorites is church girl just because it's so filthy Ooh. and yet holy at the same time you know what i mean yes mm. yes it feels like a church girl feels like a release mm-hmm. like you just yeah. like at the at the like you know first couple seconds i'm just like yes yes i'm gonna love on me hallelujah and then i go from you know Church gospel to like tickle bitties. Down. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I think it's fascinating just because, I mean, each song is a journey in and of itself. Like, they're all yeah. just so gorgeous. And like, 
you can tell she just worked her ass off. And, you like know? she'll never stop. It's amazing. <laughs> so there's also been a fair amount of drama surrounding the album's release. There was like a leak on I think it was Tuesday of last week. There was a whole thing with sampling. She had to update some of her lyrics because she used an ableist slur. Uh, Ari, is this the kind of tea you're here for? Or are you just like frustrated by the amount of critical attention someone who's that famous kind of inevitably gets? I mean, I think the thing is, though, is that I very much expect it at that point. Mm. I mean, I think one thing, right, you know, like, you know, with the with the ableist word, I think we all can learn from that. Because like, you know, again, like, like with Lizzo, like, we know that even our intentions don't matter, you know, there are a lot of words that, you know, I know I am personally working on. Like I think about how often like growing up, we'd like, Oh, that's lame. Right. Like that was just Mm. something that yes, we said quite often and okay, but I can't say that anymore. And there's a reason why. And I shouldn't say like, I can find new words. I can grow. We can all language, you know, grows. And so I think that on that side of things, it's kind of good for us to have this type of stuff in the news so that we can kind of check ourselves and what we do. But then on the other hand, it's just kind of like, it can get outrageous, but you just know. And I think a lot of times people just hate Beyonce just because people love her. And Mm. it can get just so crazy. Like if something is beloved really, really highly, then there are, there's a group of people who feel like they must take it down. Right. Instead of just being like, I love that y'all love that. I don't love it, but right, it's not for right, me, right? Because yeah. like, there's a lot of music that I'm sure is amazing and it's just not for me. And I don't have to tweet about it and talk bad about it right. because it's just not for me. Yeah, someone else is still allowed to enjoy that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely co-sign everything Ari said. Um, I think the Lizzo example is really good and powerful because when Lizzo was informed that she had an ableist slur in one of her lyrics, she just went on Twitter and posted, hey, you know, I didn't know about this, yeah. but... I changed it. I'm willing to change and learn and grow. So thanks everyone for informing me. And I feel like that posture of humility and just owning up to and acknowledging mistakes, Mm -hmm. apologizing and being willing to take action, and move forward is really the best that we, (laughs) that we can do. You know, Uh, like Ari said too, I definitely grew up saying things I didn't know were slurs until later on. And it's good that we're in a culture that is calling these things out and yeah, I'm just trying to learn and grow too. So I understand Beyonce, you know, but I'm glad she updated the lyrics. And also, like Ari said, haters going to hate. I don't know mm. why some people Ooh. are hating. You know, if you just yeah. don't like the music, don't listen. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. not for you. Oh, totally. Just be happy. Yes, just be happy. So speaking of learning and growing, there was a tweet that made the rounds this week that really caught my attention. It was written by a guy whose handle is Steve on Speed. And he wrote, by age 30, you should have a group of friends that talk business, money, and fitness, not politics and pop culture. I first saw this because a coworker of mine retweeted it. And I was like, wow, Steve sounds really boring. But on the other hand, I mean, Ariane, you and I like literally texted this morning and you were like, hey, sorry, I'm late to respond. I was at the gym and I was like, good for you. You know, I don't know. It's like. What's what's your take, Adora? How do you feel? You're not yet 30, right? Absolutely. And as someone who is turning 30 in three months, I think mm-hmm. I'm very qualified to talk about this <laughs> transition <laughs> to age 30. You know what I mean? But um, really, I just feel like, why can't people talk about all those things? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, we're going to talk about what we want to talk about. 
the only thing I feel like you shouldn't talk about is if your conversation is always about other people. You know what I mean? Mm. Susie did this. Bobby did that. Yeah. Blah, blah. It's like, okay, what did you do? How are you growing? How are we growing? Mm. Yes. I might love politics. I might love pop culture. That's fine. And I might love business and wealth creation and working out. Those are all acceptable hobbies slash interests. It's just more about is your orientation toward growth. And so I hope as I enter my 30s and even right now that I'm surrounding myself with people who want to grow and who want me to grow as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny thinking about it because, I mean, I've definitely talked to both of you about business and money and fitness, but also pop culture and dating and all kinds of other like really fun yeah. trash too you know they're all related yeah business and politics yeah. are yeah. very yeah, related totally totally yeah I love my best friend always says I am not one thing right like mm-hmm. we are just like we're these rounded things and I am so excited like Adore that you are like going into this season of your life thinking like that because I think that like younger me would have seen a tweet like that and been like yep that's right so on so on you know like mm. think like or being more like kind of like there are things that you talk about and things that you don't versus now that I am I'm 37 and I'm one of the younger people in my like kind of friend groups and most of us are like into this season of 40s and like this kind of like middle life type of things our bodies are changing our fitness regimens are different like what our bodies actually need for us to feel good is different so we talk about it more right Mm. but it makes you feel better because you're like oh I'm not the only one going through these things right like or we talk about what our doctor said hey my doctor said I'm going through perimenopause have you heard about this thing like what does this mean I'm Mm -hmm. like you know so it's like really important to kind of have that support but like we can still talk about dating and going to a club and doing all the other stuff too even you know my friends laugh about me but last year my birthday party was that I paid for everybody to go to Soul Cycle? <laughs> we oh, did a big, old, yeah, we did a big old time at Soul Cycle, and they were like, "Are you going to brunch?" I was like, "No, we're just going to Soul Cycle." <laughs> and I like that you actually gave everyone else a gift on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, and I gave them like some Soul Cycle socks and like some water, and then I gave them like a little mini champagne to drink after. So I gave them water, Whoa. and it said like four before, and then it was like little champagne was like four after. <laughs> That's adorable. You're helping me plan my birthday. So I just want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really loved another tweet that came out kind of, you know, in reaction to that one from Ravinder Kanan that said, by age 30, you should have lower back pain, one failed relationship that almost broke you, and a constant sense of dread about where society is headed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That means you're real. That means you're feeling it. You're connected. You're connected okay, with the I world. Say, I got to say, though, we have to stop normalizing the idea that you're body should be dusty and crusty by 30 mm, like sure on. sure that's true but even even the best my healthiest friends like I'm talking about like people who are trainers people who have the best diets ever everybody got back pain yeah like we all got stuff back pain. is still weird so I don't know I don't know what it is but that back <laughs> oh yeah on Sunday, I was hanging out with my four-year-old friend, and she talked me into doing a somersault. And <laughs> I like, <laughs> I did this somersault, and I whacked my ankle on like a corner, <laughs> and like, oh my god, like it still hurts, you guys. <laughs> You're very honorable, though, for trying. You're very honorable. Yeah, and Thank I think you. it's, I think it's really amazing that this story also shows the importance of having friends of all ages. You know. <laughs> Another story from this week that caught our attention was from New York Magazine. They've been doing all this reporting commemorating the 10th anniversary of Tinder, which is, you know, kind of the original online hookup app. 
This makes me feel extremely old. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm like, whoa, I'm like a sage. Like, I can tell my children about way back when. Tinder oh wasn't a thing when it was. I mean, this means there are probably like 10-year-old children out there who, you know, <laughs> who... Um, <laughs> oh, hopefully they're not on the app at 10. No, no, like... I just mean who are a product of the app. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I, I really don't think up. 10-year-olds should be on Tinder, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ariane, does this also make you feel really old? It does make me feel really old because I do remember when like Tinder first came out and I think like the shift in like our approach to online dating and I think especially like culturally like as a black woman I remember like ain't nobody gonna get on Tinder like like you gonna people are, you gonna find some serial killers and they gonna kill you and you mm, gonna die mm-hmm. okay yeah. um and so I mean, and now, like, I'm still not a Tinder, per- Tinder person, you know. I am a hinge person, and you know, I found, I found, I found a cute little, you know, okay, cute okay. little some, cute little somebody, you know. I, I had some luck, a little luck on, on hinge, you That's know. Great. You know, That's got, great. <laughs> but it does make me feel like just to see that evolution is like wow. It's wild. Adora, have you been to any Tinder weddings? Yes, I have. One of my uh, closest friends, I stood in her wedding. She met her husband on Tinder. And it's funny because I know multiple couples who are married who met on Tinder specifically. And every single one of them is like, you know, we're really happy we met each other. But Tinder is horrible. Don't go on. (laughs) And I'm like, that's interesting to me. That That you met this person you love and you married. But you in the next breath, they're like, don't use Tinder. It's horrible. I mean, I kind of feel like all of the apps are sort of like a necessary evil in this day and age, right. you know, where like it's kind of hard to to make it work regardless. So, right. you know, here we are, especially with the pandemic. I think that yes. changed things worse in terms of like in-person dating. Yeah, totally. So, Ariane, since you have proven that you're such a good birthday planner, how do you think we should celebrate Tinder's 10th birthday? Ooh, I think we should all go on dates. <laughs> okay but maybe not with you know you don't have to find a new tinder date it could be anybody like i think i'm gonna call up you know my hinge person you okay. know my, my newest you know <laughs> hey, well, i'm got you know call him up i love that yeah <laughs> yep. hey, no, <laughs> that's great i just i just you know i, I can tell you're trying really um, hard to play it cool <laughs> I'm not trying to play it cool, but I, I'm struggling. I, I keep smiling. Um, and or you could do a date with your besties. You know, you could have a homegirl date. Oh, but I think sweet. we should all go on dates. I love that. Consider this my formal request to get into your friend circle. <laughs> oh, you are. Oh, you're already. You're already in it. Thank you. You're already in it because because you're already you're already friends with my friends, and now like now we're like best friends. It's happening. So it's you're happening. stuck. With, I'm you're so stuck excited. with me. Oh my gosh. Well, Ari, Adora, thank you both very much for coming on. Y'all are just like queens. Thank you. Takes one to know one. (laughs) True. Up next, did you buy an air fryer during the pandemic and do you ever use it? In just a minute, we are going to talk about some of the pandemic impulse buys that people regret most. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. 
Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Odds are, over the past two years, you bought something that you may have thought you would use a lot, but definitely haven't. And, you know, I get it. Isolation was a very weird time. We literally have all been there. From Peloton bikes to air fryers and patio heaters, there's a lot of stuff out there that people bought but don't necessarily use anymore. For one listener, Betsy, it was an Instapot. Oh, yeah. I definitely regret purchasing an Instant Pot. It's just big, and there's, like, a little fear factor to using it. And even though while cleanup is easy, it still takes time. And by the time you get to all of that, you're too tired to carry it and put it away. At least I am. I regret it. Here with us is Emily Stewart. She writes about business and economics for Vox. She recently wrote an article with the headline, The Pandemic Impulse Purchases We Grew to Hate. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So first question, what pandemic purchase do you regret? Do you have any? (laughs) I bought kind of a knockoff Roomba. Um, that I am staring at at this very moment. I've used it about seven times. Uh, and that is my whoops purchase. Are you staring at it or is it staring at you? Probably a bit of both. At this, I will say it kind of matches my decor, so I don't hate it as oh. much as I could. But there it, you go. I should, I just, I don't know. I knew immediately it was a bad idea. And then just, you know, here it sits months and months later. That's so funny. We put out a call to listeners about with this question. And, you know, we have Betsy with Instapot. But I think we also heard from someone who just like DM'd on us on Instagram and was like, why regret, though? Like, why? You know, it seems like so much about having gone through the last, you know, two year, like fill in the blank amount of time is like, can't we all afford ourselves some grace? You know, like, it's okay that you bought the thing that you only used seven times. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, like beyond the missing cash, kind of who cares? And I think for a lot of this stuff, you know, people did get something out of it in the moment, even if it was short lived. Uh, You know, like it was a really weird time, it was a really bad time. And buying stuff sometimes makes us feel a little bit more in control. Mm -hmm. And and it does give you a little bit of a, you know, a dopamine hit. So it's not the end of the world, assuming like you didn't accidentally tank your bank account to buy something you never used. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like, what better way to mitigate the existential insanity of a global pandemic than just, like, buying some shit, you know? (laughs) Right. I think, like, kind of here for me, the differentiator is, like, okay, so I have my bob sweep, that's what it's called, um, that I don't use. But it's another thing if I bought a house in the suburbs and all of a sudden I'm sitting and looking around and thinking, wait a minute, uh, what did I do? There's been a lot of polling that shows about two-thirds of new home buyers have some regret around the decisions, which I think has been interesting and, you know, also makes sense in terms of just how much money people spent at the time, how competitive it was. You know, remember the stories of people like waiving inspections. Oh, God. That's great. You know, and that's, then you just learn afterwards, like, oh no, whoops. Um, So I think there are, you know, that's, I think, been the one that we've seen so much because again, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, you bought roller skates or whatever, like, fine. 
but you bought a house and it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the one I could think of, I did buy an air fryer, but I don't regret it. I did buy a little egg cooker that I don't Uh really use, but it was $15, you know, which is like, that's fine. Right. That's fine. I mean, yeah, that's fine. And I definitely, I had one of my good friends was buying like different roller skates and stuff like that. And like, Mm. I don't know if she ever used them, but whatever, you know, it just, like I said, it's not the end of the world for certain things. Exactly. So how much fun was it to report this story? I just like, it must've been pretty fun to like, you know, find these people and talk to them about the ridiculous purchases they've made. Right. I mean, it was fun. And it's just nice to talk to people who, you know, obviously are a little bit lighthearted about it. I talked to one guy out in LA who'd bought kind of a fancy hipster bike, him and his partner. And, and, you know, they did the millennial thing of they watched a bunch of videos about the bikes and they bought the special locks and the special helmets. And then they realized that they live in an area that's really hot and really hilly. Uh, and actually didn't want a bike everywhere. And he said, you know, he'd even gone as far as to get a hitch attached to his car. So that way he could take the bike somewhere, then they could bike somewhere. And he used it, he used it exactly one time and, you know, he sold the car now. And it was funny, but the one of the things he said too is, you know, it's not like I was going to develop a new personality. Like he said, oh, I'd known somebody who was from mm. the Netherlands who biked everywhere. And I thought I was going to be the type of person who's biking to a cafe or biking to you know, the bookstore and live like a nice little cute lifestyle. And speaking of bikes, we can't have this conversation without talking about Peloton. It is a company that has gone through a journey during the pandemic. Right. I mean, everybody kind of remembers when the pandemic hit. Peloton was really kind of uniquely positioned to really pick up some market share, to really Mm -hmm. sell people a lot of bikes. Like I bought a Peloton in 2020 and I had to wait months for it. Mm. Um, I think what happened there was kind of Peloton had a moment in that kind of when that happened that was, did this pull forward people that were going to buy bikes anyway, or did they expand their market? And I think the answer that we know now is that they kind of pulled forward people that were maybe going to buy bikes anyway. But the one thing that I always kind of say about this is there is, I really like my Peloton. Uh, there is exactly a finite number of Pelotons that I will buy, which is one. And so right. with Peloton, everybody got very excited. You know, investors got very excited. You look at the valuation of the company uh, was a lot more months ago than it is right now. And the company's mm-hmm. really suffered because Again, people are only going to buy so many Peloton bikes, not to mention the story is, you know, it's a tale as old as time with fitness equipment. Uh, People get it and then they don't use it. Uh, This has happened forever with Nordic tracks or treadmills. How many people have a piece of fitness equipment sitting in their homes that they don't use? I haven't thought about a Nordic track in a really long time. They're still around. (laughs) I see their (laughs) ass. So, you know, now that we are, what, two years and some change into this situation, um, and some people say the pandemic is over, obviously it isn't. Are you getting any sense of trends of what people are buying these days? I mean, we definitely are starting to see people switch back to buying, to spending more money on services than they were mm. goods. You, The whole story of kind of the pandemic and the supply chain crunch was that everybody kind of sat at home and bought a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you, you had a lot of extra money because you weren't maybe going out to eat anymore. You weren't going on vacation. A lot of people got stimulus checks, obviously. And so now we are mm-hmm. sort of seeing 
people start to buy on services again. You know, people spending money on things like a vacation that you couldn't go on a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously the the icky thing now is that we're dealing with uh, inflation, which is making the entire buying cycle, makes going to the store, makes doing anything, spending money on anything super annoying and very frustrating and very painful for people in ways big and small. Totally. What's your advice for somebody who likes to buy things when they're sad? <laughs> I mean, I do think certain to a certain extent, it, it can be a little bit, it depends what you're buying, right? Um, like there is research that really shows that sometimes it does make people feel a little bit better because again, you feel like you have a little bit more control. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of helps you like not think about your own anxieties in the moment. But I think in the pandemic stuff, a lot of people kind of thought that their situations were going to be permanent. Um, and they weren't, you know, I talked to one woman for this story who, who she and her husband had bought a pandemic puppy, which a ton of people did. Um, and the dog has sort of not ruined their retirement, but changed their retirement. You know, this is going to live for the next 10, 15 years. And, and, and one thing she said was, you know, we can't really travel. We can't really be spontaneous. Like we always have to think of what are we going to do with the dog? And, I think sometimes just in terms of when we're thinking about how we're feeling about our spending, which is obviously always emotional, is is how permanent of a decision am I making? Like mm. my bob sweep will sit here and who cares? And at some point I'll get rid of it. But if, if I had a dog, like that would fundamentally change the way I can or cannot live my life. And two years ago, I was spending a lot more time at home than I do now. Yeah, that's very true. Well, Emily, thank you so much for talking with me. This was very fun. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this and for having me. I'm excited. that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Did you know we have a newsletter? It's pretty fun. It comes out every Friday morning and Anna and I both put links to fun stuff to read and watch and cook and check out. Anna is very good at finding weird wildlife news, which is always a delight. You can sign up for it at wbez.org slash nerdetaf. And Maggie Civit builds that newsletter. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman, and our executive producer is Brendan Banasak. We will see you next week. My four-year-old friend. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.